Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. everyone and welcome to Atlanta Business Radio. I'm one of your hosts today, Katie Galley, and it is my favorite Thursday of the month because it is time for our special Women in Technology episode. And I'm, of course, joined today by my co-host, Sandy Welfare, the Executive Director of WIT. How are you doing, Sandy? I'm doing very well, Katie. How are you? I'm good. So Excellent. we were talking a little bit before. How was your 4th of July? It was it was very nice. I yeah. didn't do much, so that's like the perfect kind. Yes, that is the perfect kind. And we're coming off of a WIT Connect 2018, right? Absolutely. It was yeah. um, probably one of our biggest in terms of the numbers in the room and stuff like that. Wow. And actually, one of our guests today was one of our executive packages. So <gasps> very exciting. Yes, super exciting. <laughs> and so how did uh, WIT Connect this year compare in the past? You said it was one of the bigger uh, events that we've had. And um, I mean, being at the Georgia Aquarium, I was really impressed with the venue and everything that happened. So I mean, just compared to years past, how was it? Well, we were sold out a month in advance, and so wow. that basically told us that people were excited about being there. Absolutely. And then, of course, we had more scholarships than we've ever given out, 115000 yeah. And so very exciting for the 12 women who won the scholarships. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, of course, we're uh, keeping that momentum going with some amazing guests in studio today. So who'd you bring with you? So I brought with me uh, Angie and Andrew from Home Depot, and I'm going to let them do their introductions. Well, great. Hi, Angie and Andrew. So, Angie, um, wanted to introduce yourself. <laughs> hey. So my name is Angie Brown, and mm -hmm. I am a vice president of technology at the Home Depot. Um, right now, my responsibilities include basically all of our store systems. So when you come in to shop at a Home Depot store, all the technology that you see when you're interacting with us from the front end, the cash registers, to what um, we use to mix your paint or design your kitchen, and a whole bunch of technology that you probably don't see that we use behind the scenes to make it all come together. Wow. That's really impressive. And uh, Andrew, how about you? Yeah, so my name's Andrew Fritz. I work for Angie, actually. So uh, I've got a subset of the systems that she was talking about. So uh, if you rent a tool from Home Depot or buy some paint or uh, maybe design a kitchen, uh, those are all um, technology that you're going to interact with uh, that, that I have uh, a responsibility for. So how did um, each of you, we can start with Angie and, Angie and then move over to Andrew, how did each of you get involved in the technology space and then with Home Depot in particular? So for me, actually, I studied management information systems in college. And so I found out about Home Depot on campus as part of campus recruiting. Uh, it's been 20 years ago now, and I've been with them ever since. So wow. I started about two weeks after graduation as an entry-level Java developer, and I have um, served a variety of different roles with the company in a variety of different um, areas of the business, but all in technology. Mm. So, And so you had to, I mean, to your point, you had to start somewhere. It's two weeks out of college. You're like, okay, I'm going to get my foot in the door. And yes. then 20 years later, you've grown in the company that you've, I mean, that you started out and you loved it. Yes, absolutely. It's been phenomenal. And it's never felt like the same job for 20 years. There's always so many opportunities to learn new parts of the business. And of course, technology changes so rapidly that right. keeps you on your toes as well. So it's been exciting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Andrew, how about you? How did you get involved? Yeah, so um, I came from it uh, from a different spot. Uh, so I was uh, more on the business side of uh, of technology, and was kind of like uh, when I started, um, was kind of like the the young kid in a uh, in, in more of an operational role. Mm -hmm. And there, since they uh, they looked at at me and said, "Well, you must know something about these computer things," they kind of threw <laughs> me in that right. So um, that's kind of how I gravitated towards um, the IT. 
uh, work, but um, joined Depot 18 years ago mm. in the technology organization and have stayed there since, uh, kind of uh, mostly in supply chain. And about a year ago, uh, moved into uh, store systems working for Angie. So uh, it's been a lot of different roles. Uh, Angie mentioned not feeling like I've ever had the same job twice. Right. Uh, and uh, that's that's absolutely true. It's been a great company to grow uh, my skills and career in. So. Yeah. And so, I mean, being with Home Depot for 18 years and Angie for 20 years, um, how have you seen then the technology shift? I mean, never having the same job twice, you know, constantly moving, but it's to your point, I mean, it's because the technology just constantly shifts. So how have you seen it actually grow in the past 18 and 20 years? Um, I'm trying to think of just one example. (laughs) You know, it's hard to look back. I think about the very first area that I worked in was actually in our HR systems. And I remember one of the first things that I did was we tried to move to an electronic application system. And that seems so foreign to think about anything different. But, you know, it used to be paper, um, Mm -hmm. you know, how you would come in and apply for a job. So that was the first area that I worked in. And, you know, now there's really not a part of our business that technology doesn't touch. And when we think about Home Depot's uh, strategic imperatives going forward, investing in technology is um, is a huge part of making those imperatives come to life. So obviously, HR systems still a focus for us and, and how we manage our workforce and give them best in class offerings to manage their schedule when it comes to our store employees as well. But then, uh, as Andrew mentioned, supply chain, mm-hmm. um, obviously tremendous technology going on there too. And there's just, it seems to be critical to every one of our business initiatives right now. And that's probably one of the largest changes that I would say from from when I first started. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd echo what Angie said. I mean, 20 years ago, I think we used to think about uh, the Home Depot as a place that sold hammers. And by the way, we needed some technology to support those selling of hammers. I think, um, you know, our environment right now is absolutely uh, a, a technology shop. I mean, we work at a software company now, and um, uh, the the technology that we build uh, is built with uh, with modern practices. It's built, um, you know, it, 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 the business cannot run without the technology that uh, uh, that supports it. And um, you know that that shift is definitely echoes all the way to uh, to our leadership of the company. Interesting enough, a few months ago, Angie was kind enough to help us find some people who were on a panel on e-commerce. I would be so curious to just get your thoughts on how the uh, mobility side of the business has totally morphed into something different. I mean, it's almost probably the biggest uh, uh, disruption along your technology space. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at our online business, it accounts for about 10% of our company's sales. Um, Interestingly enough, that company's sales number, though, over 40% of those orders are picked up in a store. So while online is a huge portion of our business, it's interesting that what we call interconnected retail has really come to life for us, which is our customers want to shop in a way that meets their needs. And sometimes that is browsing online, but they need the product immediately. So they want to come into the store to pick it up. Um, Perhaps they've got more time. They want to deliver to the house. It's something large and bulky and they don't want to uh, fool with the delivery themselves. There's a lot of different use cases that come to life in our business and how we've connected online and the store together to, to really create 
create offerings that satiate the needs of the customer for the project that they're working on has been um, has been tremendous. And we see a lot of, I mean, our our comps from an online perspective, online continues to grow as a part of our business. Um, and we continue to be amazed at the portion of those sales that also land our customers back in the brick and mortar stores to pick up the product. Wow. Um, and I mean, to that point, though, thinking about going to a Home Depot store, I mean, if people are renovating or doing home improvement mm-hmm. projects, it seems that they would want to go to the store and they would want to pick out the the items and they would want to feel it and be able to see what they're looking at um, versus, you know, buying online and not really. I mean, you can see a picture, but mm-hmm. if you don't really know what you're looking for, or what you're looking at, maybe it's kind of confusing. So was that difficult to bridge that gap? And I mean, you say you you're the online sales are growing, but um, I guess at, at what rate and is it really? Do you think you guys are going to move more towards um, an online presence or just always going to have the brick and mortar? I think brick and mortar stores are absolutely always going to be part of our future. Um, we, we, um, it's our core of our, our business, mm-hmm. but our intent is to meet the customer with the needs that, with an experience that meets their needs. Right. And so if the customer wants to shop independently online without coming into a Home Depot store, we want to give them that offering. If they want to be able to maybe even start a transaction online, but finish it up in the stores with some assistance, you know, when we talk about the future, we want those offerings to be there um, regardless and to help them interweave our online and our brick and mortar for the story that makes sense to them. And that story is sometimes going to change. Just mm-hmm. like you said, there may be categories that are high touch that they want to come in and look and feel. And there could be some that they they don't need that. And so how do we buy persona, buy shopper, um, and buy category that they're shopping for ensure that they can leverage both our online and brick and mortar stores in a way that meets and delights their needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Angie said that really, really well. I mean, the way that I think about this is um, we've got to, instead of kind of putting our product out and, uh, you know, letting our customers come to us and shop us, really we need to put our product where the customer needs it and then deliver it to wherever they need it, you know, fulfilled from. Uh, And then Angie also mentioned kind of many different experiences in the way that we expect customers to shop us. I mentioned uh, at the the beginning that I've got kitchen design as, as one of the applications that I've got. You think about an entire kitchen design uh, and all of the touches that we have with a customer throughout buying product or delivering that product or installing that product. Um, you know, that that entire end-to-end experience, some of that's going to be online and the customer wants that delivered to them. Some of that they really want to come in and talk to somebody. They want to call somebody. All of those are connection points that anybody that they talk to, a customer talks to at the store or a call center needs all of that information. So that's really what we mean by interconnected. I mean, all of those people along that experience need to have all of that information to be able to serve our customers. Yeah. Um, And I mean, it's amazing to think about all the different touch points. Like you're saying, there's so many um, points of a project. And so if they want to start online, finish in the store, there's just a bunch of different ways to approach that. So for each of you, um, do you maybe have an anecdote or experience that you had with a particular customer or a person that came into a store, just someone that you interacted with over your time at Home Depot that really stood out to you and maybe kind of impacted the way you thought about um, the technology side of it or the brick and mortar side of it, just any kind of anecdote that really stood out to you? I think one of the things that I remember on this front is not so much a a personal customer experience, but I remember if you if you look um, and read the book that our our founders, Arthur Blank and Bernie Marcus wrote, um, 
there was a there was a story in there about how they would ask the people that didn't buy. So, you know, why they came into the store, um, why they didn't purchase, how did we let them down, you know, or not fulfill the needs that they were looking for. And I think that that's really interesting to think about, you know, you come in contact uh, with a variety of different customers, but the ones that were not meeting their needs, you know, what was the what was the gap and how can we do better? I think the other kind of vein of stories that that I really love are the ones that we've um, touched somebody personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Home Depot has a very strong company culture. We're a values-based organization, and we really take it to heart to take care of our customers. And we've got some internal press, um, you know, where we share stories of customers that have come in in a time of need and we've been able to go above and beyond to help them whether it be you know damage to their home or whatever the case may be they find themselves in a predicament and when we see our orange apron Home Depot associates really um, take that situation and help them get through a tough time those are also stories that always really resonate with me mm-hmm. yeah the um, story that um, I, I have uh, is, is related to that um, after Hurricane Katrina, um, I was lucky enough to be able to support some of those stores that were on, you know, on satellite communication and on generator power and, you know, really were the first um, retail outlets that were supporting the communities and those communities were just in such need. You'd see customer after customer coming in who was just like, wow, I can't believe, it, believe you guys are open, um, much less you've got these things that I, I've just been desperately looking for all over the uh, all over the city. And, um, you know, you wind up talking to a, a couple of those folks and, and understand their stories and um, you're able to help them. And uh, and and that's you know, that's that's one of the reasons I've been just so excited about our company and what we do and how we do it. It's, it's really been uh, been amazing from that front. I love that. I mean, being able to see, one, the growth of the company um, from brick and mortar to technology, but then to that real personal side of it, actually seeing people genuinely impacted by what Home Depot does and the impact like after disasters that happen. I mean, that's it's incredible to see that from and I mean, having that experience to being there for so many years, seeing it grow and having those personal touches, too. Yeah. So um, with that vein, what is um, how did Home Depot get involved with WIT and why is partnering with an organization like WIT so important? The how we got involved, Sandy may know our story. I will tell you from my personal aspect, Mm -hmm. I probably reached out to Sandy about a year and a half ago, um, maybe a little bit less than that. It was right when I was coming into role. Yeah. Via via Derek Johnson at at, uh, ThoughtWorks. That's exactly right. So uh, Derek and I have been talking about, you know, hey... Uh, it, it may sound a little bit unusual, but I think when I hit the officer level in the company, it was a light bulb moment for me as well on that being a woman in technology was, you know, you hear that, that people look up to you. And I guess if you're, you're a humble personality or whatever, that seems silly. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, then you realize it. And transparently when I got promoted, there was a number of females in the office that came up to me and said, just so excited to see you in this role. I can't tell you how much it means and how much it continues to motivate me to build my career and do so here. And I, I, 
again, it sounds silly, but I did not expect that. Mm -hmm. And so Derek and I were having a conversation and I was like, I I need to do more on this front. It's a portion of give back to the community that I have not done as much with as as I'd like to going forward. So he put me in contact with Sandy. And, uh, you know, since then, obviously, technology is very near and dear to my heart. Home Depot is very near and dear to my heart. And I think that, you know, as we look to advance um, and, and help women gain careers, not just start in technology, but see a career through in technology, um, it's been a great partnership with women in technology to, to see how we can be of service to helping that mission. Absolutely. And was there maybe a time um, in your own career through technology and when you uh, just, I mean, through the role that you you have now um, that maybe you came up against an obstacle? Maybe you thought, I'm not, this isn't for me. I don't want to be in this career. And what kind of kept you going through that? You know, yes, absolutely. But at I would say Andrew probably hit the same thing at some point in his career, too. And I think that, you know, having people that you can talk to that have, you know, persevered from the highs and lows, because there's always going to be highs and lows in a career. And so um, but but yes, there there were times. (laughs) And if you were to ask me about like, hey, what's the biggest career advice, you know, or anything like that that you could give? It's that accepting that, you know, something's aren't going to go right. You're going to make mistakes. Um, Others are going to make mistakes, etc. And persevering through that and having the confidence and, you know, the the courage to go on and honestly not beating yourself up whenever they happen. Um, You know, get up the next day and, and try again. His I think part of building any career in, in any, you know, industry, and especially when you think about in technology, um, it's an experimental, you know, industry, mm-hmm. and you want to get in, you want to try things. And that means that things aren't always going to go right. And so but you know, not looking at that as a detriment or not letting that, you know, kind of derail you, you know, um, but just realizing that that's part of it. And a lot of times you learn from those failures and keep going um, is, is, I think, one of the big things. Absolutely. And Angie, do you have anything to add? Yeah, um, I think, you know, when we when we're talking about WIT and uh, the Home Depot, it's just a, it's a it's an extremely natural fit for us. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, our environment has been inclusive and open, um, you know, uh, since I've been there. I'd say it's only becoming more so uh, great success stories like Angie. And um, uh, it's it's, you know, it, it's it was natural for us to, to reach out. It was just an immediately uh, well received partnership. And, um, you know, it only it only blossoms from here, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, And for both of you, uh, I mean, Angie, you touched on um, a piece of advice that you would offer to someone you both have the experience of going through um, the technology space and into the careers that you have now, obviously, both coming up against obstacles, um, wondering, you know, maybe I'm not in the right space, how am I going to persevere through this? And so you have that knowledge, and you have that, um, that experience to pour into somebody else and to help organizations like WIT in that way. But for yourselves, what is the best piece of advice that you received to help you persevere in your own journeys? Andrew, you want to start? Yeah, um, I think flexibility is probably the uh, uh, the most important thing that you've got, especially in a, in technology. I mean, um, you know, I mentioned that I didn't really come from a technical background when mm-hmm. I started, uh, but you know, picking up what I uh, what I needed to know when I needed, uh, you know, being uh, being able to research on my own and come back with solutions rather than kind of uh, just kind of stated problems and letting other people solve those. Uh, it's been the the big uh, uh, career build 
builder for me. I mean, I think uh, when I think about uh, people uh, who have been very influential on um, helping me along the way, uh, you know, that's that's been the biggest piece of advice or the, the core theme is really, um, you know, don't come with problems, come with solutions. And mm -hmm. if you're presented with a problem, uh, you know, be the person who wants to solve those or find the right people that can help solve those as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that's that's probably the core of uh, of any great, uh, um, you know, innovator. Yeah. And uh, certainly innovation at the core of a technology career. Absolutely. And um, I like what you said, I mean, the, about the adaptability. And it's, I mean, it's easy to kind of get laser focused in on what you're doing and not really see what's going on around you and thinking, okay, this is the only task I have. I have to just forge ahead on this. But understanding that things happen and you have to adapt to the environment. And I mean, especially in a space like technology, I mean, that's you have to constantly adapt in that arena. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Angie, um, for you? Yeah, I think the other thing, you know, if I kind of carry the theme through about embracing mistakes when they when they don't go as planned, um, I think the other piece of advice somebody told me one time was, you know, assume everyone wants to do their best work. Mm. And when I moved, um, as I moved up in leadership, I ground back to that statement a lot because it really, it puts you in the frame of mind of how can we help? You know, how can, how can we encourage? How can we move forward? What can we learn? What can we do better the next time? Yeah. And I think having that forward looking and kind of always trying to raise the bar and get everybody, you know, where they feel most motivated and confident in their ability to do their best work. Um, grounding back to that, assume that's what everybody wants yeah. has always really helped me stay in that frame of mind and, and to keep pushing forward. Wow. That's really interesting um, to come with that perspective. Cause I mean, I think a lot of times it's easy to come into a situation if you're working with other people um, and immediately assume the worst, assume, okay, I'm yeah. going to have to pull so much more weight. I'm gonna have to do this, this, and this, and have, try and maintain all that control when really you, if you just assume that everyone's going to bring their best, everyone wants success as much as you do, then relinquishing that control would be that much easier. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, Andrew touched on it a little bit. I mean, our development methodology has really changed over the past few years. And so at Home Depot specifically, we moved from more of a waterfall culture to, you know, an agile balance team approach. We do pair programming. Um, and so, you know, with that, it's, it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be empathetic to your peers and to those that you're working on and working with um, really helps a lot. And, and like I said, that phrase just always gets me in that frame of mind. Yeah. And so what is uh, what is paired programming? Uh, pair programming is actually, if you were to look at Andrew and I, where we would be sitting um, side by side working together to solve the same problem. We may have one monitor in front of us. We may only have one keyboard in front of us. And there could be one of us um, writing code while the other one is, you know, helping uh give guidance or say, did you think about, or what about this? Uh -huh. um, it's really taken the concept that, you know, when you work together, you, you make ideas even better mm -hmm. and it brings that to life in real time as you are coding. Wow. That's really cool. I mean, so it really brings, cause I mean, everybody thinks differently. They have different mindsets and would approach a problem in a different way. So to collaborate and bring together two separate people and force, really force you to work yes. together, <laughs> then I guess you would come up with a solution much quicker. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that's really 
good about pair programming is that sometimes in our past, uh, we have had technologists that know a problem space very, very well. And you always worry what's going to happen when that technologist wants to do something different. Um, so it definitely helps with cross-training in a subject matter. It definitely helps to bring more people up to speed. And it definitely helps. We we are doing so much hiring and growth right now as an organization. So um, that cross-training comes to life in real time, and it helps us to also grow talent. Mm-hmm. You know, when you pair maybe a more junior developer, you know, with a more experienced developer, it really um, pushes that forward as well. Yeah, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense to help, um, I mean, encourage the next generation people who are coming up. Um, but also it gives you a new perspective of those who are mentoring, those who have that experience already and kind of um, leaning back into those who are learning. Um, so with that, um, what do you guys see, I mean, as the the growth of technology and innovation at Home Depot and just in the tech, technology space in general um, as we look forward to the future? There's a ton, and I'll talk to a few things. I'm sure Andrew will have others uh, to add. You know, we we talk about that retail is really changing um, more in the last four years than it has in the 40 prior. Wow. And I talk so much about how technology is at the center of our growth there. Um, our retail customers expect more. They want quicker delivery. They want a seamless checkout. They want a personalized experience. And so as we look forward, our three-year investments are nearly doubled. We're investing $11.1 billion into the business, into these key strategic initiatives over the next three years, and um, which is nearly double of what we did in the same time period past. Wow. And so much of that is in information technology and online. You'll see us invest heavily in our stores, like from from things like wayfinding environmentals that may not be as technology focused, but then to modernize that front end and that checkout experience. Um, we're installing lockers to support our buy online pickup and store customers. Again, if that customer wants to come in and pick up their product and not have to interact with an associate, they'll have that option through <laughs> our um, the lockers. We're exp- investing heavily in our pro business as well, um, contextualizing the customer experience to meet a customer where they are. So if you think about our pro customer, they shop a little bit different than I do. Um, you know, I may be more decor focused. Our pro customer is going to be, uh, you know, more tool and um, commodity focused potentially. And so, you know, we are working on a uh, a web experience that is tailored to our B2B, our pro sales. Um, We're investing heavily in supply chain and delivery as well. When you think about that customer expectation of delivering product as quickly as possible, you can imagine if you think about our downstream um, supply chain, and and Andrew can definitely talk um, more about this, but we've invested in years past heavily in our upstream delivery network, how we get product into, into our distribution centers. And we'll see that that focus heavy in the next few years on our downstream as well. So how do we position our supply chain to be able to get product to our end customers um, even quicker to meet the demands and expectations of today's customers? Yeah, um, incredibly important. I I mentioned this a few minutes ago about um, trying to get product to where the customer needs it uh, and and, uh, delivering there. Uh, You know, we're positioning ourselves to be uh, within 95% of our customers within a day of delivery of our entire 
uh, our entire merchandise. So, I mean, that's, that's an incredible uh, thought when you think about, um, you know, where we have been uh, and where retail has been, uh, you know, being able to deliver to a customer's house uh, within a day. Uh, you know, if you look at 20 years ago and what retail was able to do, if they didn't have the product in a store, it might be a couple of weeks before they could get that product to the store, much less to the customer's home. So, I mean, it really leaps and bounds on uh, just level of service there. Um, I'll also mention, uh, you know, uh, Angie mentioned a lot about um, the technology that supports our customers. Um, we're, we're also investing quite heavily in our technology that supports our associates. Um, you know, I've, I've got a, uh, a system that we, uh, we call MyView that's about uh, getting the customer, getting the associate everything that they need for the day, right? So what, what, uh, what do I need to think about today? Uh, maybe something has changed overnight. Maybe there's a weather pattern that's come in and they need to think about something uh, getting getting a uh, certain product out uh, for a customer or uh, potentially there's a um, you know a, a customer came in and they bought uh, you know a big customer uh, may have bought a certain part of a job and they might need we need might need to call them and say hey you know did you think about these other things as well mm-hmm. um, and so uh, kind of helping the associates uh, you know have have a uh, more complete day and be able to serve their customers better is another place where technology is just playing a key role yeah. So it's recognizing the shifts in technology and then subsequently the shifts in your customer too. So then trying to, um, I mean, just get ahead of that. Like you're saying, shifting from upstream to downstream and just paying attention to where it's going, where it's shifting. Right. Exactly. Um, well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. If someone wanted to learn more about Home Depot, about the technology side, um, where might they do that? How might they find out more about you guys? We've got a terrific careers.homedepot.com site that I would recommend um, as well as if you just go to homedepot.com and go into our investor relations section, you'll see a lot of communication from our last investors conference about everything that we're doing. Um, And it's easy to pick up on the theme of how much technology is woven um, through the stories that, that we're planning for the next few years. Absolutely. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you guys both, Angie and Andrew, for being on today and sharing your stories with us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Sandy. Well, thanks for bringing some great guests again. (laughs) I'm happy to. Happy to. So uh, what's on the horizon for WIT? So next week we have um, our WIT forum on the 18th, and that's going to be the A in STEAM and how arts is being impacted so greatly by technology across every industry and every sphere. So this this will be a very interesting and exciting one. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, can someone still sign up if they want to go? I believe we still have some tickets available. I believe table sales are sold out. But yes, go to mywit.org and you can definitely sign up and join us next Wednesday the 18th at 7.30 a.m. at Maggiano's in Buckhead. But I also have to do a big plug to Home Depot. Yeah. I just love the fact that I can go online, use PayPal, buy my stuff, and go to a store (laughs) and pick it up. I'm going to give a big shout out to the East Cobb Home Depot. The customer service is exceptional right Mm. there on Roswell Road. So just wanted to say that. That's awesome, Sandy. Thank you. (laughs) That is great right here. I mean, it's a local one. You get to plug the uh, the ones that help you. Yeah. And uh, make it uh, that ease of access technology. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. And thank you uh, to Wit. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. Um, We will see you guys all next time on Atlanta Business Radio.